morning, North Shore. Lead Pastor Scott Harris here. And I want to start off by just telling you I miss you. I miss seeing you. I miss being with you. Now, I'm very grateful for our production team and the fact that they, you know, do so much work to allow us to interact this way. And God is using it. But the truth of the matter, I miss being together. I think God wants us to be together. So I'm praying that sometime soon when it's right, when it's safe, that we'll gather again. But we've started a new series in the book of James, and we've called it Faith Works. Faith works in this life. Last week, Sanjay came, as I have him do, is I have him take these beautiful scriptures and hang them in the context of history and theological thought, like a fine piece of art, so that we can take it all in everything that God intends us can just jump out to us. And he has such a gift, and I'm so grateful for him and the whole teaching team. He just laid an amazing foundation. So if you didn't hear last week's message, make sure you go back and listen to it because, again, it lays a great foundation. Now let's just uh, open in prayer and then jump into James chapter 1. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, and we come together and we gather around your word. I pray that you would use your word now to call us closer to you, that you would grow us. You know exactly what we need. And we entrust ourselves to you. So do your good work now. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the book of James has a a strong sentimental value to me. When I started my ministry in Orcas Island, I was a youth pastor. When I arrived there, uh, the island is not just a non-Christian community, but an anti-Christian community. There's just a few kids in the youth group. And so as I got going... A couple kids came that weren't part of the youth group, but they were believers. And they said, we want to grow spiritually. I said, okay. I said, do this. Show up to my house on Wednesday nights, and we'll do a study. And they said, okay. So I chose the book of James because the book of James teaches us how to take our faith and to put it into action so that we grow. So those boys came. Actually, three of them came the first week. Then the next week, six. Then more, then more, then more. Pretty soon, because I lived in a church parsonage, the church had to come, and I just sat at the edge of the fireplace and taught from the book of James. No games, no typical youth group stuff. Just teaching the book of James. And soon we had to come in and knock out walls because kids were just kept coming and kept coming. And it's kind of comical because as I remember this, they literally were stuffed everywhere. They were uh, sitting underneath their counters and everything. And it started a revival that lasted 14 years on Orcas Island. And it was around this book of James. So I love this book. And my prayer as we enter this, North Shore, that it would have the same impact that we would be people that would live out our faith. We would learn about this faith that James talks about, and we would put that into practice. Because here is how the, the power that it has. The power that it has is when faith is at work in a person's life, it draws other people. Because what our hurting and searching community needs and what they are looking for and what they're desperate for is a faith that works. 
They want a faith that works. And that's what James teaches us. He teaches us that faith works. It always has and it always will. So therefore, with faith being so vital, God provides a way to grow our faith. So let's look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 18. And we're going to learn about how God grows our faith. So let's look at growing your faith. God grows your faith by giving us an unlikely gift. And that is the gift of a test. Listen to how he starts in verse 2, chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers. Okay, we're going to talk about test and joy together. Now, I know, now I know there's a lot of young people watching. Don't leave the room. Don't take off. Don't check out. Because I had to learn this lesson. If you would have mentioned earlier in my days, uh, joy and test together, no way. But when I was in college, an instructor, Herb Cheely, believed that tests were important so much that he would test us all the time. Just pop quizzes, monster tests. They would be of different values. It'd be a five-point, one question. All of a sudden, three weeks later, and not midterm, not finals, it's a 100-point quiz or test. And just drop those on us. And at first, the whole class hated them. But eventually, you understood that we were becoming better students because of these tests. And eventually, we started looking forward to them. And the same way, God's going to use tests to prepare us and grow us for what he has for us. And then we can say, we counted all joy. So how does God test us? Second part of verse 2. When you meet trials of various kinds, he says. So God tests us through trials. And what a trial is, it's a situation that either reveals or stimulates our spiritual walk with God. And it's something that God allows. He allows it so that our faith would be revealed or stimulated. A perfect example of that is in the Old Testament, in the book of Job. Job is a righteous man, and God allows trials to come into his life so that his faith is revealed. And as you go through the book of Job, you see it stimulates a deeper faith from Job. And it's actually a hard book to read, but it's beautiful. Trials, he says, of various kinds we have. So the trials that we're going to experience, that God is going to allow, are various. They come in all different shapes, all different sizes, different frequencies, different magnitudes. Sometimes these trials you're going to go through, you're going to barely notice them. You're not even going to notice that they're a trial. But there's other trials that are jarring. They are life-defining. And you know you're in a trial. There are all kinds, various kinds of trials. And there's some good news, bad news with uh, trials. Trials are certain. You will face trials. So the bad news is God doesn't say, if you meet trials of various kinds, he says, when you meet trials, you will and are 
facing trials. But there's good news. The positive is this. But God is using these trials, these tests, for your good, for our good. And I learned this from that instructor, Herb Cheely. Now, Herb Cheely was a tough man. He's an ex-Marine, an ex-Korean vet who got an engineering degree, and he oversaw the engineering program at this college I was at. And I was fresh out of high school, and I was your classic high school jock. I did just enough to get through school and hung out with my friends. And so at this point in my life, I'm starting college, you know, kind of growing up. I've got a wife who's pregnant, and I start college. And the first day, we walk into class, Herb Teeley gives us a test. So we all take this test. We finish it. He grades it. We come back. He goes up to the board, and he starts writing scores. And he starts off, if you got, you know, 100 to 80, we will catch up with you, he writes. He goes down this list in different brackets of scores. He gets toward the bottom. He says, if you got this score, you will not make it. You need to withdraw from this program. That's where my score was. So I'm looking at this. I see my wife's face. She's pregnant, and I'm going to have to go tell her I flunked the first day. I'm out. So I was getting ready to walk out, and Mr. Cheney was in his office, so I went in there to talk to him. I think to look for sympathy, right? Because I was, I was hurt and I was scared. What was I going to do? I went into him and um, started to say, hey, I got this score. And he looked at me and he says, you need to go withdraw right now. You will not make it. This career is not for you. And so, yeah, he's a tough man. <laughs> so I went walking out, opened the door to walk out to head down. Uh, to withdraw. And there's a window in his office, and all of a sudden I hear, Mr. Harris, he yells. I stop, and I look back, and he holds one finger up. He said, in 25 years, only one person has proven this test wrong. He says, you decide if you're number two. I walked down that hall and had a lot of thinking to do. And so I entered into the trial. I went to school hours early every single morning. Uh, and I poured myself in my studies in schools, and I took all those tests that he was giving. And the byproduct of all those trials is I have multiple college degrees, and those college degrees allowed me to step into full-time ministry and be here right now teaching the Word of God. Because of those trials, God did a good work. We see it in the Old Testament in Joseph. Right? Joseph, his brothers sold him, turned on him, and this is in the book of Genesis. And look at what Joseph says when he meets his brothers later. This is Genesis 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me. But check this out. But God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God meant it for good. These trials that he faced, God meant it for good. Why can you count it joy? Because God's working for your good. So God's good purpose in testing, he tests us through trials. And here is his good purpose. Look at verse 3. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. 
And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So what God, he does with trials, what he uses for this testing is to test our faith. We have to understand faith. Okay? Many times we talk about faith, we talk about saving faith. Faith that saves us. But that is not the faith that James is talking about in his book. And Sanjay really dove into that and explained it well. What James is talking about is trusting faith. Because remember, James's book is addressed, and he references all throughout to brethren or to believers. So he's not talking about saving faith. He's talking about trusting faith. And trusting faith is a faith that accepts and puts into practice God's ways in this life. That is trusting faith. That is what James is talking about. That is the testing that these trials are doing for us. And that testing our faith is done so that it builds a consistency of trusting faith. The word steadfastness means consistency. Other translations say endurance there or patience. And again, here it's steadfastness. And what it means is it's trusting, having confidence in God's ways, God's method, God's plan. That's the trusting faith that these trials are growing. And I love this. It goes on. It says, and let steadfastness have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So what happens is when we get consistent in trusting faith, that it becomes its fullness. And what he's talking about here is maturity, maturity in the faith. And maturity is when we are fully prepared for what God has for us in this life. And so as we look at this text right here, what we see him doing through trials is he's growing us and surging us through these trials and tests for the next step. We're more equipped. The next challenge, trial we face, we bring more maturity, more trust into it, and we get through it. And eventually when he says when you're lacking nothing, what happens is this. You're going to get to a place where you barely feel a trial. I know it sounds far off for most of us. I know me. But there's moments that you are so full of faith, so full of trust in God, that these trials are just blips now. And that's this fullness. This is this completeness that he's talking about. And it's beautiful and it's good. But it does come by way of trials. And that's why we can say it's a joy. So as we look at God growing us, our trusting faith, we want to look now at the ground rules of this test. Let's understand this test a little bit. Verse 5. You'll like this. The test will be open book. Listen to this. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So this should come as a relief that this test, they're open book. And I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but we're seeing God's a softy, right? He's a softy. He's like, you know, 
He is for us. He's not trying to trip us up. That's not the goal of a test. Because sometimes we feel like tests are trying to, to make us stumble. No, not God's test. God's tests are to lift us up. He cares for us. He loves us. And so the resource he gives us, verse 5 there, is we get to ask him. We get to go to the author, the creator of life. To ask him, how do we get through this trial? What do we need? See, God is a known God. He wants to be known, and he wants his ways to be known for us. He is present, and we can ask him. We can call to him in our trials. And it's a powerful, beautiful, open book invitation. And what he provides for us is wisdom. And it says there, um, if you need wisdom, I'm going to tell you something. You need wisdom. I need wisdom. We all need wisdom. And what wisdom is, see, wisdom is putting into practice what you know. See, there's knowledge, which is information and data. And then there's understanding. It's understanding that knowledge and data. But here's where it's powerful, okay? It's wisdom. It's when you put that into practice. And that's what God is saying. That's what James is teaching, is you've got to ask for knowledge that you will put into practice. Because, see, here's, when you are tested, you are never tested on what you don't know. God always tests us on what we know. He pours into us. He gives us. And then at some point in time, he tests us to reveal and stimulate our trusting faith in him. And I love this. He gives it to us generously, he says. Look at that. Gives us generously to all without reproach, he says, without finding fault. And I love this. You know, you know, teachers say this. There is no bad question, right? There's no bad question with God. There's no bad timing. There's nothing that you have done or have not done that God will not give you wisdom if you ask. And that's encouraging. So you might be sitting here. You may be broken. You might feel lost. You may have such a laundry list of things that you've done. You feel so far from God, and he invites you. He says, I'm here for you. I am for you, and you can ask right now, and I'll give it to you generously. That's our loving Heavenly Father. He loves you. But, he goes on in here, we must use it. We must use it. We must respond without doubt. We must trust his ways. Isaiah 55, 9 says this, that his ways are higher than our ways. And so we must trust that because we can get to where we can think and we understand how it should go and what we want and all these, but we have to get to a point. And this is trusting faith. that We trust God's ways without doubting. And then we have to act on that and not be double-minded or unstable. Because what that does, when we act on this trusting faith, it brings us security to travel the course that God has for us. It's powerful. So the next ground rule is, in verse 9 through 11, the test will be tailored. And this is a real complex piece of Scripture right here, just so you know. Many people ask, well, why is this here? Is it an interruption? And I'm going to go with the Scottish scholar, William Barclay, and he says this, and he just kind of wraps this up. He says, God sends each man 
what he needs. And I believe that this test, a ground rule for our testing, is that they're going to be tailored. Tailored for each one of us. They're personal. Think of a suit. You can go in and buy a suit off the rack, and it kind of fits. But when you go in, you get one tailored for you. They bring it in so it fits you perfectly. It is exactly for you and only you. It's a suit. It looks like everybody else's suits, but it's tailored for you. And I believe God tailors trials, the things he allows us to go through just for us. Because see, what we learn is, is God sees us and knows us. He loves you. He's looking at you. He sees you. He understands what you need. And he tailors these life experiences so that you can go and grow to all that he has to be so you can trust him. See, God knows your future. He knows the future experiences you're going to have, and he knows the future influences that you're going to have and, and, and what you're going to need in those. And so he takes you through trials, allows you to go through trials so that you will be prepared and equipped to meet those, to live those out, to impact as he wants you to impact. So he shapes us, perfectly shapes us for the road that he has us to travel through trials. He tailors them to us. Going on to verse 12, the next ground rule we'll know in these tests, the test will be dangerous. The test is going to be dangerous. He starts in verse 12 with some encouragement, and he jumps into kind of warning us about some danger. Verse 12 through 16. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God promised to those who love him. Now, verse 13, he comes into this. He gives us that encouragement. Now he talks about a danger. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So the warning he gives us is about temptation. And what temptation is, is it's anything that draws us away from Jesus and his teaching and his commands. Anything that draws us away from Jesus and his teachings and his commands is what a temptation is. Now the source of that is the enemy of God. One source is Satan himself. Another source, or other, could be people. Enemies of God, people that want to drag us away. But James talks about the other source, and that's the flesh. The Bible talks about the flesh. That's the desires in us. So the enemy he's going to talk right now is within you, not God. Because he says God can't tempt us, and God doesn't tempt us. Yes, God has created the world and allowed the world to be as it is. But what God doesn't do, he doesn't put evil in our hearts. So it's not God working in our hearts that draws us to temptation. Yes, there's temptation in the world, but it's not God working in our hearts. So God can't be tempted, and God does not tempt us. So the danger here, verses 14 and 15, says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. 
Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. In our trials, we are brought closer to temptation. And here's why. Because in our trials, we are prone to start looking inward, be self-focused. What do I want? What do I need? What experiences do I want to have? And our focus goes off of what God has for us and what God teaches. And that's why in this test, it's dangerous. It's dangerous ground because you get closer to temptation. And what happens is when you can become lured or enticed, baited is actually what it means, toward that temptation when you're in a trial. And that gives birth to sin. And sin is anything. Romans 14, 23 says sin is anything that is not done in faith. That's what sin is. Anything not done in faith. So when our eyes go off of our trusting faith in Jesus Christ and what he has for us and what he teaches us and goes off that, we enter into sin. And listen to this. Sin brings forth death. Romans 6.23 says. So what happens is, is this death is a separation from God. Relationally, spiritually, eternally. And that's why trials can be so dangerous. We have to understand while we're in a trial, we have to tune in into our trust, our trusting faith in Jesus Christ and understand that the enemy can have a heyday in that moment because we're so close to temptation. God loves you and cares for you. and He's with you, he just promised. So yes, it's dangerous, but you're not alone. The God of the universe is right with you, and he's for you. So James wraps up his teaching on trials that grow our faith by sharing the heart of God. Listen to verses 17 and 18 in chapter 1. It says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. And what James is doing here is he wants us to understand the heart of the Father. This is what's happening here. We are getting a picture. We just talked about tests, trials, temptation. It's like, man, that's tough. But James says, I want you to understand that the foundation of all this is a father who loves you. A father who is a giving father. Every good gift, every perfect gift, he pours it out over us. He loves us. He's a steady father. He doesn't change. He is trustworthy. That's why we can have trusting faith in him. He is secure. It stabilizes us. There's another thing we see here. That he is a proud father. He created us in his image. When we walk with God, we look like God. It's beautiful, and he loves us. He calls us that we should be this first fruits of his creation, meaning proud Papa, Abba Father, saying, look at them, look at them. And that's why he's taking us through trials, so we can get to this place where it says, look at these humans that I made, these people. Look at Scott, who I made, I created. Look at him. And boy, as I was looking and studying this, my father's heart woke up, thinking about my girls. I have two daughters, Sydney and Stephanie, and I could not be more proud of them. I love them. 
I mean, I wish they were here. I would just say, look at them, man. Look at their walk with God. Look at who they are today, these women who love Jesus passionately and live for him. But I also got to tell you, it was a tough road sometimes. I watched them go through trials, difficulties. And it was hard. Uh, there was many nights that Sandy and I would just cry over them and hurt for them. We, in moments of insecurity, would fear for their future. And we'd want to come in and rescue them and not allow them to go through these difficult things, trials. But we knew we had to let them. Some of those trials, called discipline, we actually brought into their lives. But we did it so that they would grow into everything and into who God had them to be. And I can say now as adult children, I'm as proud as I could be. And I don't know what I would change going back because I'm so proud of it now, but I know it was tough. And that's what the Father says. That's what James is grabbing here. He says, as you look at all of this, understand there is a good purpose. There is a good Father behind that, and He loves you. So I've got some questions for you as we walk through this. I want you to ask yourself this. Were you being tested? I mean, it's kind of an easy question. It's COVID-19. Man, there is test abound. Where are you being tested? What are you learning about your faith in your test? What are you learning about your faith in your test? How could you grow in trusting faith during this test? How can you grow? How can you trust God more? How can you step into that? How can you become consistent in your trust? And lastly, we need to understand this. We do have a good Father, and He loves us. But there's only one way to that Father. John 14, 6 says, and it's Jesus talking. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Through his work on the cross is the only way to this beautiful, secure relationship with God the Father. It's through the Son, Jesus, and his work on the cross. And us coming into a place of faith to say yes to that. So I want to challenge you now. Everyone in your homes, I want you to talk about these questions. Where are you in trusting faith? And maybe you're in step one. That you need to say, I don't have a trusting faith. I've not trusted Jesus as my Savior. You call him. You invite him into your heart and your lives. Maybe you're in a place you've been walking with God. And you, in this season, whatever season you're in, whatever your trial is, that God is calling you higher because he loves you. And you need to cry out to him. You need to cry out for wisdom. Our pastors are standing by. You're going to see a link. And that takes you into a live video with our pastors. And what you can do is you can talk one-on-one -on -one with the pastor. You can pray. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and have somebody walk with you in that journey, step in there. If you need wisdom, you need someone to pray for you, to go to ask God for wisdom who gives it generously, you come and you talk to our pastors. 
nor shall I love you. And I believe this, that God is doing a good work and he's going to grow our trusting faith and there's going to be revival that breaks out and he's not going to wait until COVID-19 is over. It's going to start right now and today and it's going to start in your heart and your homes. Let's put this faith into practice. I love you, North Shore.